0: Hello, my name is John Schaefer, and welcome to the Wealth Show from CityWire. With growing interest in investing in China in recent years, what has it been like to invest in Chinese equities for two decades? In this episode, I spoke with Baijing Yu, manager of the Comgest Growth China Fund, which is celebrating its 20 year anniversary. Since inception in 2001, the fund has returned 69.4% compared with the MSCI China's return of 66.5%. To keep up with the latest episodes of The Wealth Show podcast, click the follow button on Spotify. Obviously, the fund is sort of reaching the 20-year point, um, and you've been a manager on the fund for for a decade yourself. Uh, How would you say investing in China has changed over that two-decade period?
1: Um, well, thank you, John, for the opportunity. Um, I think the investment in China changed because of, predominantly, the um, industry involvement in the last two decades. Um, to take a step back, maybe to introduce a bit our philosophy really quickly, um, we are a bottom-up stock picker that focuses a lot on quality and growth. So disregard um, the investment uh, or economic development cycle, um, we continue to practice the same uh, thesis. So if I would split um, the first two decades um, versus the most immediate past decade, I think the main differences are within the investable universe. China has grown really fast, um, at the rate that you no know, other economy has seen. So the first decades in the period where the country really need to, um, build infrastructure, um, become very competitive in terms of the cost base and export this, um, very skilled uh, labor force. A lot of those investments that we made were in the more in the fixed asset investment area. Um, where we saw that was a um, uh, you know three to five year growth story back then. in addition to that, um, we had um, energy and a, a very selective commodity exposure, which was um, uh, meaningful during that first decade. As things have evolved, as you see that you know China continued to transition its economy from the export driven to internal consumption and service driven. So if I break up the last, um, decade into the two, five years, for so the first five years, um, between 2010 and 20, uh, 2010, and 2015, um, you will still have some of those very high quality, um, uh, export oriented, um, sectors or companies, as well as, um, the more infrastructure related or, um, uh, utility related businesses. Um, we still have some of those. We saw, um, we were finding more uh, companies' investments in the more um, consumption driven. And what we mean by consumption is actually a broader um, definition of how people operate in their daily life. So user behaviors in terms of digital and how digital has changed people's lives. And within that, um, there are many um, aspects of media, um, gaming, entertainment, um, the way you shop, um, the way you consume um, virtual um, items. Um, And in addition to that, we see a large number of consumer brands um, becoming very competitive, not only because they know how to operate in China, but also they've um, grown to become um, leaders in the fields because they invest in their brands, they invest in the R&D, as well as the product development. So um, these are how you know the investable universe has changed for us, um, but our investment philosophy has not changed. So we, we look for a competitive um, business with high entry barrier um, with a strong growth of visibility for the next three to five years um as a uh equity investor i think a few things that changed in the market also matter especially um you know what goes into the index for um for, for the global investors so um it wasn't until 2014 when china opened the domestic a share via a hong kong shanghai connect and about 18 to 20 months later, you have the Shenzhen Stock Exchange that was also opened via Hong Kong um, Connect. So that opened up a very large investable universe for the global investors. Um, at just we were a Qfe investor since 2012. So we've been investing in that market um, ahead of years um, for about a decade time today. But I think... Um, the opening of the domestic market, the ease of the assets also um, helped us to grow that investable universe as well. And also in the past decades, I think many people probably forgot, but only the Chinese internet ADRs was only made into the index as well.
0: I wanted to move on to the, the regulatory environment. Obviously, that's come under um, scrutiny sort of more recently. Um, do you think it's Perhaps become a bit more favourable, and, and and on the other side of that, are you concerned that the Chinese government's um, kind of looking to break up some of these large tech companies? I mean, we've seen it with Alibaba, and, and even more recently, we've seen it with the likes of Meituan. I mean, is that a concern to you?
1: So, um, on the on the higher level, I think the tightening Chinese government. Um, uh, review on the overall internet company. It's a um, overhang for some time. Um, it's only two, three years ago when the Chinese government was um, putting on pressure on the gaming license, we already got the first taste of the Chinese government's um, wheel to um, increase their regulation on the overall sector. Now, I think it's worth looking at why, um, why does the Chinese government wanted to do that? Um, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. One is um, between Tencent and Alibaba, um, one holds a billion users daily dialogue on its platform being Tencent. the second one, Alibaba owns about eleven to twelve percent of the total retail sales in China um, with a dominating market share in e-commerce and China is the highest has high the highest e-commerce penetration. So um, these are very large um, entities or enterprise in, in the economy that the Chinese government were very keen to regulate. And if we look at the second tier size of the business, like Meituan and PDD, each of them owns anywhere from 500 million to 700 million users. So the coverage of these platforms have its significant. And looking at the u s experience, I think the Chinese government is trying to learn from that and see you know what is a better way for me to step in and have a have a regulation view here because the, um today's success of these internet companies partly was due to the lack of regulation um from a Chinese government's perspective because they they wanted to um, have these private enterprises to grow um, uh, without too much interference from government. But today, they are very big already, impacting many aspects of one's life. Having said that, um, if we look at what Chinese government has been advocating in the last few years and the most recently, um, the the National People's Congress that's happened this year, digitalization, innovation remains very core. Um, from the government's agenda perspective. So I think what Chinese government um, hopes to achieve is a balance between innovation and regulation. Um, So any action from the Chinese government isn't to kill these businesses. That's not the intent. Because these businesses um, still bring a significant social value from an employment perspective, as well as... um, the ability for them to reinvest in the most world-leading technology um, areas. So um, from my perspective, there will be a balance between the two um, to foster a more market-driven and fair competition environment because we did see some of the monopolistic behavior that happens in the market. So that's not good for innovation and not good for new entrants. But at the same time, these businesses create tremendous amount of value from social and, and government perspective. So I think a balance between the two is, is what the government is aiming to achieve.
0: I want to move on to ethical investment. And obviously China has been promoting its activity in ESG more recently. Um, do you think it's just lip service or is it genuine?
1: Um, I think it's genuine. Um, obviously ESG is a very large topic. Um, one of the key topic for the um, the government has been environment and I think China continue to take it seriously now I understand um, with ESG especially for emerging markets there are um, the progress I think will be slower because um, the businesses will still uh, need to learn to appreciate ESG and that's one of their personal experience dealing with a lot of holdings on the ESG front um, but you, you have seen concrete, um, push from the government perspective to push for, um, on the environmental side as well as on the governance side. Um, and I think the Chinese government opening up a domestic Asian market by inviting international capital into the market was in an indirect way to try to force the Chinese companies to improve on corporate governance. Because the requirements from the foreign investors, so there are many evidence that the Chinese government is taking this seriously. If you look at it as a company, they don't want to be, you know, the most low cost company to compete in the world. So they want it to be the high value add um, with substance. So from that standpoint, I think um, many of these change and in. And also the push, for example, the um, the Asia companies ESG related topics disclosure was pushed to increase, and we've seen that um, coming through. They are not of the Western world standard, but there has been improvements um, and that's visible as
0: well. I wanted to look at some of the stocks that you've held for the longest in your portfolio. Obviously, this is perhaps quite interesting because of the tenure of your fund. Perhaps you could highlight a couple of them.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, a couple of names that we've held um, for quite some time, um, for example, um, Ping An, which is still in our fund, we've held it more than ten years. Um, This is the largest uh, life insurance company in China. Um, uh, Our view is that as Chinese population grows, its salary grows, its affordability. One would look to protect its life. Um, So. This is a, we believe, a multi-decade growth story, and Ping An is the best operator in the market with a very highly reputable brand name. At the same time, they also um, embraces um, digital transformation within, you know, users' behavior. So that was also a very interesting um, mix from a traditional financial institution perspective. Um, another name that was held for not as long as Ping An, but like eight, seven, eight years. is NetEase. I think many people know Tencent being the best gaming company in China. NetEase is actually um, up in the rank there. They are they have the two monopolistic uh, or oligopoly situation. So NetEase is a very solid um, game developer and operator in China. Um, they've con- despite Tencent's existence, they were able to command almost the other half of the market Um, also they have a very strong um, we think a corporate governance um, and shareholder return policy within the Chinese internet um, space and at the same time the valuation has always been very reasonable so those two just to highlight um, two existing longest holdings in the fund.
0: Good stuff and and perhaps you could look at some of the stocks that you think are going to be the, the have the biggest growth potential over the next five years.
1: Right. So, um, maybe I can look at it by about a uh, sector. So there are, um, about three names within the travel industry, actually, that we've uh, positioned in. Um, of course, the growth is going to be, um, skewed towards the lower base from COVID. But again, these are very solid companies where we see dislocation evaluation. valuation. So these are Travel Sky, Sea Trip, um, within the China, um, uh, travel industry. Um, second to that would be the healthcare. So we have exposures to um, a couple of um, China leading consumable, medical consumables and equipment and drug maker. Um, we think they could be producing um, close to 20 or more um, uh, EPS growth for the next five years. Despite there some regulation headwinds, but we think that there are two things. One, these businesses are um, uh, strong and have commanding market share due to a strong R&D. And at the same time, um, they are domestic champions that we think should have some policy tailwinds. Despite that, there is a overall pressure on um, pricing from government to um, bring affordable healthcare to the population. Um, the last piece would be domestic brands and domestic consumption. Um, then these would be across you know, sportswear like Anta, um, Ebi, and Meidi. These are very solid domestic brands have fantastic brand proposition and value um, within the China space, uh, some of which actually would look to have some export opportunities. So just to name a few that we see um, a very interesting and heavy presence in our portfolio.
0: And what do you see as the, the greatest concerns or headwinds for investment in China over the next five years?
1: So we, um, as I mentioned before, we are um, bottom-up stock picker on a highly concentrated portfolio. Um, while we are, we don't analyze macro and we don't invest based on macro um, uh, directions, but I think overall macro-stability um, from a top-down uh, does matter to us. So some of those things such as um, uh, leverage in the system remain something that we watch and we we'll be very conscious of. And secondly, I think for some of the business, um, the RMB um, direction can have some impact for our businesses, either from a revenue perspective or input perspective. Um, last and not least, the um, geographical political situation that can remain tricky because many of the Chinese companies um, are looking to compete on a global stage. So, um, you know, geopolitical tensions could cause uh, some uncertainties in the short term.
0: Sure. And and looking at the performance of the fund, over, over the two-decade period, you, you certainly have outperformed the benchmark. But I, I think some of your peer groups in active management have been um, outperforming you in, in perhaps more recent years. And, and why do you think that's been the case?
1: Um, so first of all, um, thank you for noticing the 20-year outperformance. Um, I think from our perspective, we our goal is to provide a consistent long-term performance um, for our clients, and we're pleased that we're able to do so um, with a 20-year track record. And Coming to your question on the more recent performance, um, if we look at the last three to five years, um, the the year with the, the biggest attraction is last year, actually, 2020. Um, what happened last year was that um, you probably have seen the headlines where some of the very growthy Chinese um, companies has gone um, appreciated by the market. Um, we actually think that's a very frosty um, layer um, when where the valuation achieved to. For example, like the EV companies and some of the smaller China internet companies. Um, has gone to a excessive valuation level. Some of the business are interesting. It is under our radar. We are studying. However, um, the valuation just does not justify, um, one, the early stage of the business. Second, the visibility that these young business could produce. So we, um, we didn't have as much of exposure, um, as some of the peers are coming at the year to date performance. And because we, weren't in these um, very growth and momentum names, um, as you can see, many of those um, growth ex- uh, expectations got adjusted down by various reasons, and we are outperforming year-to-date. So our focus is really looking at um, a more longer-term track record. Um, while we are well we're meant to be a growth investor, we are studying these companies, um, but it needs to be um, reasonable from a both growth opportunity versus valuation perspective.
0: Well, Baijing, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, no worries. Thank you so much for your time, John.